Welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy Podcast. My name's Dave and I'm your host. And I'm here in the city of Edinburgh with the rest of the Stand Up Tragedy team putting together an hour of tragic variety every night, 7.30 at the Banshee Labyrinth Banqueting Hall, venue 156, as part of the Free Fringe. So come along and see some tragedy. If you know people who are in town, tell them about it. Every night's going to have a completely different lineup. We've got comedians, we've got spoken word artists, we've got musicians, we've got storytellers, and we've got so much more. Every single night, a different combination of people creating a completely different flavour of tragedy. So come along, tell your friends, and come and join us for some tragedy. We're going to be releasing podcasts here pretty regularly, but we're going to be regular and erratic because tragically we have not got Wi-Fi in the flat that we have up here. So we're having troubles getting the brilliant audio that we're recording out to you. But we're going to get one episode out a week, which is basically one of the shows in its entirety from beginning to end. And we're going to get one show out that is the best of the rest, where I select some clips from the other shows and present them to you. So what you're about to hear is the show that happened at the Banshee Labyrinth at 7.30 on the 8th of August. And this is a such an amazing show. Everyone was so brilliant. It fitted together so nicely. So sit back, relax, and prepare yourself to enjoy some tragedy. Hello, everybody. And welcome to Stand Up Tragedy. My name's Dave and I'm your host. What we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we basically we get a, a bunch of different really talented people who do different kinds of things and we get them to stand up on stage and do some tragedy. So that, that means whatever it means to them. I have no idea what's going to happen. We're going to have a basically, we're going to, we're making a mixture, I'm making a mixture, but I don't know what the recipe is going to actually result in. That's what's going to happen tonight. So I don't know what's going to happen. It's an exciting, exciting time. And we've got a different lineup every night. So if you like what you see today, come back tomorrow night. Uh, and if you don't like what you see today come back tomorrow night because you still might like that's what happens tomorrow night and uh you know i can't guarantee that you will like what happens tomorrow night it's really that kind of a thing but anyway different lineup every night and uh one thing i want to say as well at the start of the show is that obviously tonight we are we are dealing with tragedy tragedy involves things like people dying and and sad things um there will be some laughs we like people to cry until they laugh and laugh until they cry here at Stand Up Tragedy but because uh, there will be uh, some sad things it's good to, to to be aware of that there may be sadness happening I mean you could walk down the street and something terrible could happen to you but uh, here on this stage people will be talking about things that are terrible but in a cathartic way so it's going to be great um Yes, so a little bit of sadmin before we start. Uh, so, right, uh, so we're using the hashtag tragic moments on Twitter. So, if you have any tragic festival experiences, feel free to share your tragedy online and if you, and, you know, we'll retweet it and use it on our podcast, which is a good point. We are also a podcast. So, if you like podcasts, uh, have a listen to us. You can find it on iTunes, uh, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, anywhere that podcasts hang out on the internet, really. Um, and uh, yeah, tell your friends to have a listen as well. Listen before you come is a good uh, idea. Sounded a bit dirty, but hey, there we go. So, uh, right. So these are the things I have to share with you now. So 
We run this show up in London, um, and uh, our last London show, I asked uh, a, a really talented guy called Joe Barrett to create the scent of tragedy, because I want to find every kind of thing that could be tragic and explore what that means. And so we asked him to make one, and he did. He made three, and we got the audience to vote on which was the scent of tragedy. So this is the winning, the winning scent, which is... We're very lucky because this is the nicest of the three cents to smell. Uh, the other two were tragic drunk and tragic war. Uh, so they were, they were quite powerful smells. This is quite a powerful smell too. You're going to smell it now. So, uh, so this is a little bit of the scent of tragedy. So that's uh, the, so. Hopefully, there won't be a tragedy now, and none of you will be allergic to it. That would be terrible. Um, but uh, yes, that's the scent of tragedy. And if you smell it, uh, if it's sort of, it's supposed to smell like, and I think it does, uh, freshly uh, washed linen. Now, that doesn't seem initially like a tragic smell, but if you think about it, the times when you smell freshly washed linen, maybe you know when your partner has left you, or when your partner has died. So. Uh, that's the idea behind it. This is the centre of tragedy. And if you put £10... Yes, come in, come in and explore the tragedy. There's plenty of seats down here. Uh, or you can stand at the back looking awkward. Either one is good with me. So, um, so yes, as I say, if you put £10 into our hat at the end, you can purchase the centre of tragedy. We only have two of them with us today, so if loads of you want them, uh, we'll have to talk about how to get them to you. But if you put £10 into that, you can get the centre of tragedy. If you put a couple of quid into the hat at the end... I should have said uh, that, yes, Joe Barrett's uh, Sense of Tragedy and other scents that he makes, you can find out more about them at muteandinvisible.com. Now, if you put a couple of quid into the hat, you can get one of these. These are tragic snaps made by uh, the author uh, Jay Adamthwaite, who you can find at jadamthwaite.com. And uh, basically, when you pop these party poppers, you get a very small tragic story that comes out for your enjoyment. So a couple of quid into the hat, and you will get them. Sadmin is nearly over. Uh, the last part of it is that, as I said earlier, we like to explore all kinds of tragedy, and one of the kinds of tragedy we like to explore is the written, uh, not performed, but written tragedy. So we're, we've relaunched, relaunched our blog in time for, for Edinburgh, and uh, you can find different pieces of fiction and non-fiction over there at www.standuptragedy.co.uk. That's where to find out everything else that we have that is tragic. And now we're going to welcome the first tragic performer to the stage. He's got a couple of shows at the Fringe. One is called Adventure at the Pleasance Courtyard at 9.45 every night. Uh, and then there is his other show, which is a free show, Anything Can Be a Podcast podcast. Uh, and that is at the Free Sisters at 3.15. Yeah, I got confused then, and I'm glad that you helped me. Uh, audience member who knows nothing about that show. Thank you for that. So put your hands together, everybody, for John Hastings! Hi, everybody. How are we doing? Good? Yeah. Oh, wicked. All right. So uh, this is the story of uh, the, I think, the, the worst day, the worst day of my life. So what happened was I started in, uh, in Nottingham. I was doing a, a gig there at a club, and then I got on a, um, I went to go get on a bus to go back to, uh, to London where I was living and still live. And as I was getting on the bus, they said, your ticket isn't valid. And I was like, I don't know what the fuck that means. It's his return. And they were like, no, it doesn't. 
it's returned for Saturday, not Sunday. You fucked up. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So I go into the train station. And I don't, I'm weird. I'm not OCD, but I don't like when plans are interrupted. Like I was, I was planning to get into Victoria Station, not King's Cross. I didn't like that. So all the way in, I'm like, something bad's going to happen. Something, I feel something bad is going to happen. And I got off the train and I'm walking and my mom calls me. And my mom goes, I have to tell you something. Are you sitting down? And I went, no. And she's like, you have to sit down because my mom's very specific. She won't just give me the bad news. She wants to make sure that her son's okay. So I walk into a McDonald's, just that ho- the bastion of happiness, right? Just nothing but <laughs> tourists going, yeah, I don't want fish and chips. Give me a filet fish because that's a fish-like substance. So I feel like I'm part of British culture. And they're eating that. And I'm sitting in a booth in a McDonald's. She goes, hey, um, um, your grandmother has, and then the phone cut out. So I was like, for fuck's sake, fucking UK with your fucking buildings made out of lead, cell phone service cuts out all the goddamn fucking time. So I go outside, and I have my bag, and I call my mom back, and she goes, whoa, whoa, what happened? And I went the phone, lead, and she went, okay, um, your, your grandmother has just, uh, has just died. And that made me very sad, but at the same time, it was a bit of relief. My grandmother had dementia for 10 years, and she was bedridden, so it was a good thing that she was now gone to whatever happens after we die. And so it's this weird sense of relief, but I'm still crying and my mom's crying. And, and my mom was, my grandmother was a big part of my life. So I'm completely not paying attention to my surroundings. And I, um, and I can feel, feel something on my, the side of my face. And it feels like someone's kind of rubbing. And then my phone is grabbed. And then I look and there's a guy on a bicycle speeding away with my phone. And I, in this moment, I swear to God, this is how I literally thought I went, he thought that phone was making me sad. <laughs> and then I realized, no, you're the world's silliest goose. He's stealing your fucking phone, asshole. So I chased him, and I swear, I, I've never said these things. To, like, I was threatening his family. I kept saying, I'm going to stand on your throat, and you'll know how it feels. I, it feels like someone's standing on your throat. That's how that fails. There's... And like in hindsight, I just I was chasing him through King's Cross in that area in London. I don't know how much experience you have in that area, but it's just a bunch of flats placed improperly. So you just it's just like there's no roads. It's like you're running and then suddenly a wall and then you turn and he's on a bicycle and I'm making I don't know if you've ever chased someone who stole your mobile phone right after your favorite grandparent died but you have motivation. So I am fucking screaming after this guy, just threatening him. I want him to die. There were, I, I will never forget, there was a, a couple having like a romantic discussion and they could see the cyclist and I go, stop him! And they just look at him go by and I ran by and went, for fuck's sake! And just kept running and, they, and the girl just started crying and I was just like, good! And I just kept chasing. I still wish them dead. And I, and I chased them and I chased them to sort of that part around King's Cross where it kind of goes into Farringdon and then up towards Angel and I get up, like it's like a long, and I got a knapsack and I'm covered in sweat and he darts into an alley and I run and I, and I lost him and I completely collapse on the ground in my bag, and I'm in the fetal position, just this weeping, and the police walk up to me and kind of like shake me and went, uh, what transpired? <laughs> and I, I explained, but I don't know if you've ever been around, like I'm a man in that classic sense of like, I don't cry, I don't cry, everyone look away, I, I'm gonna cry. And so <laughs> I, uh, I, don't, uh, I don't react well, so I'm just like tears of, gross when men cry for some reason their noses run it's the least manly thing because it's just boogers and tears ah oh, my grandmother and my phone 
and uh, and they go, okay, and they sit down. They go, well, your phone's probably gone. I'm like, Thank you for your positivity. <laughs> and I'm like, aren't you the police? And they're like, yeah, it's gone. <laughs> and then I and then I and then they're like, but you know, your grandmother's in a better place. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you. And they went, all right. And then I. Uh, they walked away, and then I asked, should I file a report? And they went, nah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fucking, I don't know if you guys have any dealings with London police, but they are definitely a go-ahead type of people. Like, what, burglary? Uh, who gives a fuck? Anyway, like, were you raped or murdered? No, well then, call us when that happens. And so I'm just like walking, and I was new in London, so I didn't have a lot of money, because when you first move to the UK, you're with the North American sense of, which is like, if I don't have any money, I won't spend money. You guys, you do a different thing, which is if I don't have any money, I'll get some credit cards and I'll spend that because fuck debt. It's Tory's fault. Fuck them. So I, uh, I'm, I walk to the bus stop and I'm, I'm just dejected and the 341 pulls up and uh, I go to step on and I just, I didn't have any money on my Oyster card and there was no way to update it. And I just looked at the guy and he just went like, yeah, take a seat. And I sat down. That's my story. Thank you very much. John Hastings, everybody. Yes. So, uh, moving on. Well, we're going to have... Uh, do you, maybe you should be... Should, yeah, start setting it up, I think, while I'm introducing you. So, our next uh, person who is going to be performing, she, uh, we met her last year at the Fringe, uh, and she enchanted us then. So, she's now going to be enchanting you now. Uh, you can find her music at on SoundCloud. Uh, Josie Rose Duncan is... Oh, Josie Rose Music. Fair enough. I'm getting all of my introductions wrong today, which I like... Uh, to do because that's kind of a tragic thing to do right so yes so i'm gonna have to get off this stage so there is no room for me so put your hands together for josie rose duncan i wish i was where heaven lies for next day on me she cries for next day on me she cries i wish i was where heaven on fake O Helen fair, O Helen chaste, were I with thee, I would be blessed. Were I with thee, I would be blessed. Where thou liest slow and at thy rest, on fake
Treffen mir vor wie Henne wo Mein Lauf droppet in mein Sortitro Stein was the stray from Kürtel Shore As I hacked him in die pieces more What in my love free me in January and it's a title track of a wee EP that I released it's on iTunes and whatnot. Um, it was about a dream I had about a wee old lady in a house um, who was too scared to go outside and she just spoke to people through writing letters. It might not sound that tragic but I felt so sorry for her that I wrote a song and it's called Typewriter. She'll always be young, oh yes she must 
who do you love? She would have asked him in her letter. Who do you love? She doesn't want him to regret her. She won't step into the modern world. She's not looking for exposure. Alone she lies in her naked life with zero chance of closure. If you don't ask, you don't get to save the task of having to Josie Rose Duncan, everybody! Amazing. Okay. Right, so. Oh. That's a bit better, right. So our next performer is another person that we that we met last year at Edinburgh, actually. You know, in very, very close to where we met uh, with Josie. So, um, this lady, she is doing a show called Stories About Love, Death and a Rabbit. It's at the Dragonfly. It's at 3.10 every day and it's, a, it's part of the Free Fringe. So it's a free show like this one. And uh, put your hands together for Samantha Mann! Thank you very much. I shall step into the violet glow here. Yeah. Um, it's lovely to see so many people in the audience. Um, uh, what what was I going to? Yes, I should say. Um, so all I'm going to tell you really is a is a cautionary tale. It's very difficult to follow such beautiful. I mean, that was just gorgeous. Um, from jo and, and my story is going to be very like uh, John's, I think, except because it's a well, it's, it's an almost tragedy. I would say it's it's about a mugging. Um, but don't worry, nothing terrible. I mean, I well, we'll see. I, I couldn't tell you the end of it. But the point is, I was I was. Um, I was I, I was mugged and um, I mean I was I was expecting it I was in Brooklyn so I thought you know I'm more prepared I'm ready to for something awful to happen and um, I mean although I, mean, I don't know that's probably a little out of date nowadays it's all terribly smart now but um, what, what so what happened was I was sorry I was there sorry it, this was a little while ago I was there with um, with a with a I was staying with a friend and um, I was just I was just on my way back to her flat and um, or apartment as they call it and and. Um, this this and this little little cloud of um, I think they call them hood mice, don't they? Or they hood mice, something like that. These little little children, really. I mean, they were just this high, um, jolly jolly uh, sweet little chaps. And they came they came and they sort of surrounded me, um, uh, which was I mean, not unpleasant at all. Except that they then they then started to say, um, "Do you have uh, a dollar?" Um, 
which was, you know, and I was, and it does, I mean, it, I should say I was in a frightfully bad mood, actually. I'd been stomping my way through through Manhattan uh, during the day. It's rather like Edinburgh during August. It does a sort of constant battle against the stream. Nobody seems to be going in your direction. They're all going in the other direction. Um, and so I was in a jolly bad mood, and I said, no, I don't have a, I don't have a dollar expecting them all to disperse, you know, like mist further down the... Um, except they didn't, they carried on. And, and there was one, it was obviously the, the spokes, the spokesmouse, and he said, um, you know, do you, have a, do you have a dollar? He just kept on saying, it was, and I said, no, you know, I've told you already, I don't have a don't have a dollar. If I did have a dollar, I would have given you when you asked me the first time if I had, which was a lie, actually, because I did. I had my wallet in my, in my but, you know, having said, I wasn't, you know, I, was going to, I wasn't going to, you know, goodness me, I'm, and I'm, I have to accept I'm a proud person. I wasn't going to climb down. Um, um, and then, uh, but then he escalated in a sense. I mean, I don't know. I suppose he's, uh, he was a sort of poker move, really. He 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 pulled a, a gun out of his pocket, or somewhere. I didn't see where it came from, but it did appear. Um, and he was he was holding it like this. And it was, I've never seen a gun before. It was quite. It was fascinating, actually. Um, I, I thought to myself, and it's it's very strange. You never know how you're going to react, do you, until it, something like that happens. And I would have expected to sort of scream and run away, but not at all. I thought, no, I just stay. The, mo the best thing I can do is hold my ground. Um, and I mean, I was thinking to myself, how would you know if it was a real gun? I mean, what would what would the sign? You know, until he shoots it, obviously. I mean, at then that point, you'd obviously know. Um, but until you know, how would you? It could be a just a. Um, and and he was he was holding it in a not terribly convinced fashion. It was sort of just sort of dangling, um, pointing towards my, towards my foot. And I did think to myself, how painful would it be? I mean, if, it, if he shot me in the foot, that would be all right, wouldn't it? I, don't, I mean, I never happened, so I don't know. Um, and as I say, I wasn't going to admit then that I, because I knew, you know, and then, so I thought, well, I'll just, I'll just sort of tough it out. Um, and then he, he, he carried, he, and then he, he absolutely went all out. He said, well, he didn't want a dollar anymore. Um, he wanted everything I had. He said, I'm going to take everything. And I, and I, and I absolutely, I, I don't know where it came from. I had an absolute go at him. I said, you know, if I'd, if I'd had a dollar in the first place, I would have given it to you, you know, what do you think I'm, you know, lying to you? I'm just on my way home to my rent out and I'm in a jolly bad mood because I've been in Manhattan and all this. Stuff. And so, um, and, um, and he said, uh, well, um, you're jolly lucky. Um, or well, in his vernacular, obviously that was the, that was what I understood him to say, um, <laughs> and and he put the gun away and, and they sort of drifted, drifted off, um, and I and at that point and I'd been jolly, I mean that was it. I was so proud of myself. I'd been so I'd been feeling just some rage. I think of the out well, the outrage of being asked suddenly by these you know these people very much my godson's age, um, what you know but, but, and so. Um, and so I, I, as soon as they left, though, it just crumbled, and I was then, you know, then I was left sort of shaking and feeling rather nervous. And, and so I went to there was a, what do they call it, a convenience store or something. Um, and I went in and I bought myself um, a bar of, you know, what they call chocolate. And and um, <laughs> I came out, um, and it was it was only as I was coming out of the shop that I thought to myself, oh dear, Samantha, this is if they come back. They're going to know you had a dollar, <laughs> and they're absolutely. So my advice to you is, go well away, get right out of the area before you buy anything. Absolutely, wait until you're fully out, and then and then you're fine. Then you don't need to worry about anything. Um, but as it was, it wasn't. Nothing happened. They didn't come back, so I was absolutely fine. And I went and I went back to my friend's flat, and we had a lovely dinner. Um, so, as I say, an almost tragedy, um, but it didn't happen. So that's. Um, that's it. This has been lovely. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. Thank you.
for Man for Man, everybody. Right, so our next performer, uh, you can find her at Susan Steed on Twitter. So put that's a, a, a giveaway of her name there. So put your hands together for Susan Steed. Um, so I'm going to sort of talk about the tragedy of us not being able to say what we really feel. So I think we always have to pretend to be happy, don't we? So like online, like I tried online dating and I put a profile that made me look like a really happy person. So I chose a really happy tagline to sum up my, to sum up my personality. I wrote, I look vegetarian, but I eat meat. Like that's kind of, you know, I thought that'll make me look fun rather than that'll make me look vegetarian, but and they're not the same thing. But anyway, it's not even true, because I am vegetarian, but I did generally put that on my dating site. <laughs> but moving on, I think it's more than that. Like When something bad happens, like say someone that you care about dies, it's really hard for people to come up to you and talk to you. It's almost like you're wearing a sort of Mexican sombrero, you know? Like when you see someone wearing a sombrero in a bar, you don't want to get too close, you might get poked in the eye. And if someone that you care about dies, it's like wearing a sombrero, but not like a happy Mexican sombrero. It's like a big, sad, saggy sombrero. A sombrero of sadness. Do you know what I mean? Has anyone sort of worn one of these before? Do anyone here worn a sombrero of sadness? Anyone? It's the only place on the fringe I can ask that question. Normally it's like, are you enjoying the fringe? Having a great time? But here, no. Uh, <laughs> sound up a tragedy, I can ask you those sort of questions. But, but anyway, so I, I have. I've, um, I've had a grandma die, a, a dad die, and a, a friend, kind of ex-boyfriend, die. And all of those times I wore, wore the sombrero. And it's really hard, isn't it, having someone that you care about die? It's hard. It's harder having someone that you're not quite sure if you love die. And maybe um, even harder having someone that you think loved you die, but you're not quite sure because he didn't tell you in as many words before you found them dead on the kitchen floor. This is comedy, guys. You can laugh. Don't worry. It's all right. It's nice. And I'm exaggerating because I didn't find my dad dead on the kitchen floor. My mum found him. Um, and very much like the first story, she then phoned me. But she was a bit too specific because I didn't answer. So she left me an answer phone message that said, um, hi, it's mum. Just found dad. I think he's dead. And um, yeah, and I'm, I'm telling this not because it's funny, but because if it happens to you and you've got to leave a message on someone's phone... Be, like, a little bit less specific, you know? <laughs> Just, like, hi there. Um, it's mum. Can you call me back? It's urgent. Or it's maybe it's not even urgent. not going to get any less dead, is he? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I think, like, my view is that we deal with death really badly in the UK. So I think we don't talk about death at all until it's, you know, until then when it comes to you, you're, you, got, you get given the sombrero of sadness, wear that for two weeks, don't leave the house... Oh, while you're doing that, maybe organise a funeral, organise a big party. And it's not good, is it? Like, I went to, um, to Africa, and in Ghana, they spend, like, three whole days on the funeral. You know, you feel all the emotions together. You feel sad. You know, all the things that you feel, not just sadness, like guilt and, and all the things when somebody dies. And our version is like a 20-minute service down the local crematorium, isn't it? And compared to that, it just looks rubbish. Compared to three days, our version is like a crap ready meal, you know? Just stick them in the oven for 20 minutes, that'll do. Um, but anyway, I, I stick with me on this, but I feel a bit like when someone that you love dies, it's a little bit like eating a ready meal because you know you're going to feel sad, you know you're going to feel lonely, but you don't expect to feel guilty. And that's what really struck me about people dying. I always felt really guilty. 
Um, so the thing that I've got for you guys, if, if you need it, is some tips of how to deal with guilt. So there are three things. Um, the first one is blame. You can blame other people for their death. So when my grandma died, I blamed the TV programme Changing Rooms because they murdered her. And um, I, so I kept putting you a little bit more detail on that. It's, it's quite a long story. But anyway, they, they were renovating her old people's home and she tripped over a ramp that they built. And then they took her and then she had to go to hospital. And the hospital really finished her off because I don't know about what it's like where you are, but where I live, the hospital sort of employ people to bang really loudly in their old people's beds. So they've got no chance. I mean, that's, that's sort of the blame. That's the, the second thing you can do is buy stuff. So there's a range of, like, deaf souvenirs you can get. When my dad died, we went for quite top-of-the-range deaf mento. We went for memorial bench. So there's a lot of sadness there. And memorial benches are great, because you can get them. It's the only place where people really don't mind if you're still wearing the sombrero of sadness long after you're supposed to be wearing it. You know, just sit on that bench and wear your sombrero. No one's going to bother you if it's your memorial bench. Um, now, the third thing... Um, that you can do, uh, the third way to deal with guilt, um, this is quite dark, this one, but you can basically just eat. So I did this a lot when my dad died. Um, it's, uh, I'm fine now, but between the ages of 21 and 25, I had um, an eating disorder. So I flirted with anorexia, but really went for bulimia. And that really made me not worry so much about my dad dying, because I was just too busy um, eating, really, um, and being sick. So that's like, I don't want to um, I don't want to make fun of eating disorders, but they do have a good side. Like, they're a really good coping mechanism for any other feelings. You don't really feel anything at all. So that's the really good thing about um, bulimia. <laughs> but I should say, I know it's not... It is, it, like, I don't... I feel like a responsibility because I don't have bulimia anymore. Uh, you can give me a clap if you want. Um, yay! Um, and I dealt with it by splitting food my food from emotions. So when I felt sad, I felt sad. I didn't eat cake, which is what I used to do. Um, so that's my, that's my tip. It's taken me like 33 years to, to get this far. I also had a period where I just used work to stop feeling emotions. I was a workaholic for a while. And now I don't really work. I'm just doing this. So I've done really well. Um, but no, I do, I'm sort of half working. I'm doing a PhD. So um, you know what PhD is, right? It's like, yeah, pretending to have a day job is what it stands for. <laughs> Been doing mine for two years. Haven't done shit when I was asking any questions. Um, <laughs> so from here, I'm going to sort of, um, I've just got a couple more things to share with you, but I can keep on going on this dark vein, or I can lighten the mood with a bit of economics, that's what my PhD is in. So what would you prefer, more dark? Yeah. Economics? No. More dark. Okay, so you had the choice, you had the choice. Um, so I guess the thing that got me thinking about the sombrero of sadness was I found out on Facebook, which is normally a really happy place, that an ex-boyfriend of mine had um, had a really bad motorcycle accident and is now disabled. Not just a bit disabled, very disabled. So he is disabled from no movement from the neck down. And that is not funny. I'm not going to laugh at it. That's definitely not a funny thing. But, um, and I didn't know what to write. I didn't know what to do about it because I didn't want to treat him like he died. I didn't want to, like, just write him really, you know, a message that's full of, like, sadness and feel so bad for you. I just thought, I'm just going to write him a normal email because it's not like he's, you know, what, what would I normally write to people? And I looked back at all my emails, and the things that I normally sent to people were just cute panda videos. It's so like, oh. But I was like, just because he's disabled now, he can still watch panda videos. So I sent him an email of just loads of animal videos, and he never wrote back to me. I don't know why, maybe he doesn't like pandas. But that's the thing that I guess that is, was really hard was that um, the other person that died that, did, died that I didn't really talk about was a, was a kind of friend, ex, who, um, who I thought I was totally in love with. So, and, um, so he died, uh, and then the ex-boyfriend had a disability. 
So I was thinking, one dead, one disabled. Is it me? Am I doing something wrong? Is it have I caused these? And um, and um, it's you know. So I sort of it, uh, the, the this is this yeah the, the, the one that the the, the ex boyfriend that died. He was someone that I always really thought that I, I loved. I thought he was amazing. I thought not only did I want to be with him, I thought he was going to change the world. I thought he was like Che Guevara, because he's like, he speaks Spanish, he was doing medicine, and he was like really spontaneous. In actual fact, it turned out he was just a drug addict. It's really easy to make that <laughs> get confused. And um, like when I was 21, he came to my birthday party and I had a boat party. I was like, yes, he's come. He's never on time. He's always taking drugs. Can't believe he's come. But I was like, oh, the guy that I really love is here. And I was really excited. And then he like, managed on a boat party. Normally, you're sailing, so people can't leave early. He managed to leave early by jumping off onto a bridge. I was like, he's gone. And then 10 years later, he jumped, um, he jumped off some cliffs and died. Should have fucking picked the economics, shouldn't you guys? <laughs> Why didn't you pick economics? You'll know that next time. But anyway, um, but so I obviously was thinking, he's, he's died, and then the other boyfriend, now disabled, the obvious thing I was thinking was, shit, am I a fucking witch? <laughs> so I asked my current boyfriend, who's now my ex-boyfriend, I know what you're thinking, he's all right, he's not doing so well, but he's still alive. Um, <laughs> I said, is it something that I did? Do you think I've, you know, I've messed these people up? And he said, no, 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 don't be silly, love. It's, um, you don't fuck up people, you just go out with fucked up people. And that's all it is. That's pretty fine, isn't it? So <laughs> if any of you are looking at me thinking, oh, she's quite vulnerable, maybe I'll, maybe I'll shag her later. Not worth the risk, is it? Really? <laughs> um, I'll, uh, I'll leave you guys. Thanks so much for listening um, and laughing because it is really. I've never like spoken about most of this stuff to anyone before, so it's really, really great to share it with you. Um, if you like the bulimia gags, I'm doing a show with um, Helen Orton. It's her show, Fat Girl Slim, but I do a little bit in it, so that's all a lot more weight loss comedy. Um, so if you're into that, um, and I'll leave you now. Thanks so much. Good night. Susan Steed, everybody. Okay, so now we come to the last part of the tragedy, the last person to do some tragedy on this stage. Uh, he has a show in this very room at four o'clock every day. It's called The Face Show. I saw it the other day. It is really good, so you should definitely go and see it. Put your hands together for Rob Orton! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen... Those are the names we give to the toilets. <laughs> right, my name's Rob, I come from York originally. I bought a I Heart NY t-shirt and I crossed out the N. <laughs> With a permanent marker. I'm on tour at the moment, just doing one gig. This one. <laughs> Thanks for coming. <laughs> right. Does anyone like fish? Yeah. Yeah? What kind of fish you like? Trout. Trout? Three. What kind of fish you like? Do you? <laughs> so quite exotic. Right, this is about fish. This is goldfish. Fish in the sea. Why do you get to be so free? Fish in the bowl. Why do you get to be so gold? Fish in the supermarket. 
Why do you get to be so dead? <laughs> Fish in my stomach. Why do you get to be so nutritious? Uh, this is um, called Breakfast. I won a uh, joke competition last year at the Fringe for the funniest joke of the Fringe. And the joke is, I heard a rumour that Cadbury's are releasing an oriental chocolate bar. Could be a Chinese whisper, right? I know, it's hilarious. Isn't it? So funny. Such a funny joke. And I had to go on the radio and talk to loads of people about it. And I spoke to Vanessa Feltz about it. And she said, uh, have you got any other jokes? No. I haven't, got any, I haven't got any more jokes, Vanessa. And she said, what else have you got then? And I said, well, I kind of do short stories and like little bits of writing and things like that. And she said, all right, do one of them. So I did. And this is called Breakfast. I knew the world outside had ended when I poured milk on my Rice Krispies and they made no sound. <laughs> right. And she, we, she was on the phone, but she said, oh, that's just sad. <laughs> and I said, yeah, it's all right. That's all right, Vanessa, don't worry about it. Where there's a will, there's a dead person. Where there's a dead person, there's a bill. I live in a, this is a book I've got called uh, In Heaven the Unions Make You Laugh. Um, this is about, it's called Hope. Okay? I find life quite hard a lot of the time, and I'm sure you, some of you do. I'm not sure if all of you do, but I know that I do, and this is called Hope. You know that, like, when you kind of wake up sometimes and you've got hope, you're like, oh, yeah. And other times you don't, and you're like, oh, <laughs> Jesus, just let me get through, come on. Every so often, hope leaves me, lets go of my hand. I am, I am reminded of this when I hold a freshly photocopied piece of paper up to my face. The warmth pulls the lids over my eyes. But slowly, it backs away into the shadows. It no longer possesses the magic, the heat, the hope. Right, this is uh, a ring, a ring, a ring. No, 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 we don't have time, it's all right. A ring, a ring, a ring tone. Who's got a telephone? Everyone. Can't get signal in here though, can you? A ring, a ring, a ringtone, a pocket full of telephone. I'll call you, I'll call you, so we can have a row. <laughs> right, I've done the fish thing. Uh, milk. This is called milk. This milk tastes like it's off, but it's on. My cornflakes. <laughs> That's good. That's probably the first time I've ever read that. <laughs> Out loud. 
Um, I've got a thing called uh, Sappy that I normally do with the bag over my head, but I'll just read it. Uh, five minutes, 24, if you're wondering. <laughs> I am happy like a dolphin on a t-shirt when it gets put in the wash. I am sad like Einstein in a judo contest. I am happy like Hitler the first time he shaved his moustache into a square. I thought, I found my look. <laughs> I am sad like an EastEnders funeral on Christmas Day. I am happy like Salvador Dali with a paintbrush shoved down the end of his Jap's eye. I am sad like an ice sculpture of Morrissey. Praying for the sun to come out. I am happy like a mathematician eating his dinner off a number plate. I am sad like a dog called Cat. <laughs> I like pretending, I like pretending everyone I've ever seen has just been swimming in a swimming pool. Makes me feel safer around people. <laughs> you don't go swimming in a swimming pool and then mug someone, do you? Trying to eat, uh, there's drawings in this book as well. Trying to eat an apple by licking it. Has anyone done that? Try to eat an apple by licking it. Like, I don't even know if you can see me. Are these lights on? Yeah. Trying to eat an apple by licking Like the outside of an apple tastes nothing like an apple. Does it? You've got to lick it. It's like all fruit. Have you ever licked the outside of a banana? What is that? What, I bet all fruits taste the same on the outside. Don't they like strawberries? It's just that, like a taste of nothing. Is that a tragedy? I don't know. Maybe it is. Like, next time you go to eat a grape, just lick it for a bit. Like, oh, this is shocking. It's rubbish. You've got to use your teeth to get the best out of fruit. called uh, waterproof. Look at that duck. It's waterproof. Proof that water exists just like me. No, I know, I know. Some of you might be thinking, oh, this is awful. That's all right. Right, it's tragedy, isn't it? So this is called depressed. Depressed. I suffer from depression. I'm undiagnosed for loads of stuff. <laughs> I just don't want to go to the doctor and say, what's wrong with me? You know, like, give me all these drugs. I'm like, I don't want them. I prefer to suffer. <laughs> right, depressed. How do you spell depressed? Well, it starts with a D, I suppose. You know, that letter that spells out the beginning of death. Then take an E. You can take as many E's as you like. You're still going to die. <laughs> then put pressed on the end. You 
know, like how a dream gets pressed tightly into a dustbin by the foot of your boss. <laughs> right, I'll finish with this. I don't, I don't know how much time I've got. I've got, well, I've done nine minutes thirty. I've got ten minutes. So I've got thirty seconds. <laughs> and the answer to my own question. I'm doing a show in here at four o'clock every day. It's called the Face Show. It's about faces. This is how it starts. I like faces. <laughs> Four o'clock, free show. Uh, sometimes the shows are good, sometimes they're not. It depends on me and it depends on the crowd. <laughs> if you come to a good one, brilliant. If you don't, then it's pretty bad. <laughs> but it really does depend on who's in the room. Can you come? Please come. Um, I really like the colour yellow. I once asked a painter and decorated company to paint a room of my house. And I was really clear about the colour that I wanted it painted. And they painted it the wrong colour. This is called maroon. <laughs> the painters have painted my room. Maroon. Yeah. <laughs> the painters have painted my room. Maroon. maroon. I'm marooned in a room of maroon. The walls of maroon are maroon. The floor of maroon is maroon. The curtains of maroon are maroon. It's so maroon, it's ruined. Maroon, yeah? Give me back my room. No. No. Paint away the maroon. I look up to the 12 of my SpongeBob SquarePants clock and can see that where the painters have painted, they've spilt quite a big dollop of maroon paint over the 12 of my clock. The painters have painted my... Noon. Yes! My noon! My noon! My noon's maroon! I've got a maroon noon! I tear down my maroon curtains and I look up to the moon. The painters are painting my moon, maroon. The painters are painting my moon, maroon. My moon, my moon, my moon's maroon. I've got a maroon moon. All right, everyone. If you've got something, if you've got something in you that you want to vent and like kind of soft boom out of yourself by, if you watch the news and see all the carnage in there, and sometimes you're just walking down the street and you just want to vent it and scream and shout. At this world that we live in and how insane it is and trying to just like go, oh yeah, that's a horrific story. Probably only 10 days until it exists. Bang! Turn it off. Well, if you've got that and you just want to shout and you want to vent something, then please feel free by shouting maroon as loudly as you can. I'm not talking about shouting. I'm talking about really kind of letting rip. I don't know if you're up for it or not, but I'm going to do it. And when, you put, when I put my hand up like that, I want you to really shout. As loudly as you can. Ladies have just come in. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Everyone else saw those two people, didn't they? Yeah. You could see them. It's not just in my head. Yeah. This is the most haunted pub in Edinburgh. <laughs> Imagine if they're ghosts. Like, oh, God, they're so lifelike. They make sounds and everything. <laughs> but one minute. Well, that's kind of killed it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
okay, that was Rob. That was Rob Orton, everybody. And <clears throat> let's do that though. Let's. I don't want. I don't want it to die. I don't want it to die. So let's. After uh, uh, after three, we'll all shout maroon, right? One, two, three. Maroon! Fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, so. Now is the time in the show when I uh, remind you about the beginning of the show where I told you about we have scents of tragedy. If you put them into, if you put £10 into the hat as you walk out of the, the room, you can purchase the scent of tragedy. You can get some uh, poetry, well, not poetry, poppers, sorry, that's what they used to be called, story snaps, tragic snaps. There I go, getting through to the right thing. If you put a, a couple of pounds in the hat, you can get some story snaps, which are, you can pop and have a little story. Uh, it, obviously this is a free show you don't have to put any money in the hat uh, but uh, it doesn't it's not free for, for me uh, and I lost my job this year as well if you want some uh, if you want some guilt and it costs like 400 pounds to get your like name in like a little tiny thing into the uh, into the Edinburgh Fringe Guide it costs money to get up here to, to bring other people up here because I, I don't want them to spend any money so I spend the money uh, so please if you want to help me with that put some money into the into the hat and also if you want to support you know tragedy and art and all of those brilliant things put some money into the hat and if you haven't got any money don't put any money in the hat it's basically as simple as that uh, I don't really stop I just keep talking because I have this uncomfortableness with uh, silence you know probably got that from my mum anyway but never mind uh, so I will keep talking unless you kind of start clapping it's really as, 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 as simple as that thank you very much the tragedy is over this podcast was put together by me with the sound recorded by the excellent Stephen Harvey and the music was by Samuel Wilkinson and George Brofton. <laughs>